God's Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. As the circumstances of the world become more extreme and confusing, we must tune our ears to the voice of our Heavenly Father. His revelation is essential to navigate the road ahead. Welcome to Current Affairs with Sam Soul. I wish to delve further into this remnant that will be saved. Now, I want to point out that in the saving of a remnant, God fulfills the promise that all the nations of the earth will be blessed. The Jews were initially invited and given the first benefit of Christ that happened on the day of Pentecost. Even after they had crucified Christ some 50 days earlier, but He had been raised from the dead, ascended to the right hand of God, and the first message on the day of Pentecost was to was Peter establishing the truth from the prophetic scriptures, citing David the prophet, David as prophet, declaring that the Lord said prophetically to His Lord, that the Almighty God said to the Lord Jesus Christ, Sit thou on my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. And in principal part, he was quoting writings such as Psalm 2, where God was saying to the rulers of Israel and to the world, Kiss the Son, where God had promised to Christ in prophetic scripture that he would give him the, the ends of the earth for his possession, he'd give him the nations of the earth as his inheritance if he would but ask of him. So here I want to delve deeper into this greater truth because I want you to see that although when you look at Revelation 14, the Lamb standing on Mount Zion, the 140 and 4,000 having His Father's name written on their foreheads, That sounds as cryptic as any passage in the book of Revelation. But I'm wanting to show you, if you understand the whole scripture, you rejoice because the things promised are fulfilled. That's what these things are saying. I will save a remnant of Israel. I'm showing that to you from numerous passages in the scripture, but I want to, for this purpose and for this message today, I want to focus exclusively on the writings of one who is described as a Hebrew of the Hebrews, of the tribe of Benjamin, one who's, who presents his qualifications as being, quote, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, an Hebrew of the Hebrews, who says among his credentials, 
Concerning zeal, I persecuted the church. Concerning my qualifications as a kosher or righteous Jew, I was blameless. I kept the law blamelessly. Such a man is speaking to this subject. I would rather believe him than any modern-day revisionist, whether some Texas preacher or some uh, rabbi who wants to be, uh, who hasn't decided if he's a believer in Christ or uh, wants to preserve being a Jew more than being a believer in Christ, wants to know Christ after the flesh. I'd rather believe one with the qualifications I've just described and you will recognize that as being the Apostle Paul who in his writings in the book of Romans, the ninth chapter, says the following. He says, I want to start uh, reading now from about verse 22. Speaking of the Gentiles uh, as those to whom he wanted to show his power, his long-suffering character, uh, choosing to spare them uh, versus destroying them and to show his just nature uh, in, in terms of allowing the Jews uh, to be taken captives in the Roman Empire. So uh, he says, uh, verse 22, what if God wanting to show his wrath and to make his power known endured with much long-suffering the vessels of wrath, prepared for destruction, that he might make known the riches of the glory of the vessels of mercy, of his glory on the vessels of mercy. So God can endure people uh, a long time, even if they were, they were going to be subjects of his wrath, or God can show the riches of His glory and His mercy to people who weren't, uh, weren't even to be considered as worthy candidates of His mercy, namely the Gentiles. Even us whom He called, not of the Jews only, but also the Gentiles. And then he quotes the prophet Hosea. He says also in Hosea, I will call them my people who are not my people. <laughs> Paul's argument before this was, who are we to, cha to challenge God? Can we hold God to some standard that we have devised? God is God. God can do whatever He wants to and that's the standard. Now it is also true God wants to be known and when He is known, His standards are immutable, reliable, applied with perfection, as is, his as is consistent with His character. So it's not like, some, not, not, not like God just making it up as He goes along, it's, it's us, we who do not understand the ways of God, who will find objections. 
but our objections do not amount to a concern from God. So he said, God is saying, I'm going to call the Gentiles my people, even though I did not initially call them my people. I, I gave that designation to the Jews when I gave a promise to Abraham that in his seed all the nations of the earth would be blessed. But you know, I am so mortified at times, frankly, at the ignorance of the Scriptures evident in the arguments of so many. When did God say, I'm about to make a man, let us make man in our own image, after our own likeness. When did God say that? Before He made man, before He made Adam. Who then was meant to be included in this promise? Just the Jews? Did the promise to Abraham make that an exclusive thing to the Jews? How silly can you be if you believe that? No, God when He said that had not yet made Adam. Who is Adam anyway? Adam is the father of all mankind. Why did God choose Abraham and what promise did He give him? God chose Abraham from among all the dwellers in Mesopotamia, from even all the dwellers in the house of Abraham's father, all his brothers. God chose Abraham because Abraham was found to be righteous. God was going to take conceivably the only righteous man on the earth at the time and develop a nation out of him. And of the seed of Abraham developed in the context of this nation, God was going to bring Christ. Now, when Christ came, what was His role? To save the Jews alone? Listen to Paul writing to the Gentiles in 2 Corinthians, Corinth being a Gentile state, part of uh, one of the city-states of the Ionian Peninsula which ultimately became, came to be recognized as uh, the country of Greece. Paul saying to the Corinthians that God was now reconciling all of mankind to 
himself in Christ. That would include the Jews, but it would be no, it'd be preposterous to suppose that the gospel was to be given to the Jews alone. It would be even more ridiculous to suggest that a Gentile must now convert to being a Jew in order to gain access to this promise. That would make this promise exclusive to Jews and converts to Judaism. You don't have any understanding of the Scriptures if that's your position. You're an imbecile, certifiably distant in understanding of the Scriptures. No, the original intent was Christ, a man in the image and likeness of God. He had to come in some fashion into the earth. Some human agency had to be employed to bring him here. And God promised Abraham, a righteous Chaldean, not a righteous Jew, a righteous Chaldean from Ur of Chaldee. God promised him because of his righteousness long before there was a law, long before there was Moses, 430 years in fact, before there was a law and before there was Moses, God promised this Chaldean that He would allow him to be the father of the Christ. This promise came in two parts. I'll make of you a great nation and in your seed I'll bless all the nations of the earth. I'll bless all the nations of the earth. So the purpose of Christ's coming was to reconcile all mankind to God in the person of Christ. Christ is not a Jew for the purpose of reconciliation to God. Christ is, surprise, surprise, for the purpose of reconciling man to God, Christ is the Son of God. And unless God is a Jew in your theology, you're knowing Christ according to His flesh and that's off on the wrong footing according to Scripture. He introduces an eternal race, a spiritual race, without mother or father, without the beginning of days or the end of life, without genealogy. This is the priesthood He introduces a royal priesthood called the Order of Melchizedek. Not a Jew by any stretch of the imagination. Jesus came to introduce to the earth the sons of God. 
the only begotten of the Father. So stop quoting John 3.16 if you have the idea that you have to be first a Jew in the flesh in order to gain access into Christ. Because God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. That's not Abraham. And leave aside the fact that Abraham wasn't a Jew, he was a Chaldean, born up in a place called Ur of the Chaldees. How we became so confused by these things is largely on account of the work of men who saw the potential for financial gain by telling people, by repeating the promise God made to Abraham and applying it to modern day Israel, which has returned from Roman captivity in the same state of unbelief that they were when they killed Christ 2,000 years ago, telling them, God said, I'll bless those who bless you. Well, all kinds of people want to be blessed and if these snake oil salesmen convince people that giving money to them and or giving money to Israel will get them blessings, look, the people aren't interested in Christ, they're interested in blessings and and they don't know God whatever knowledge they have of God would barely qualify as juvenile because of the appeal of money, the love of money, the love of resources. When God said to Abraham, whoever blesses you, I will bless, he was talking about the promise that Abraham carried in his loins, whoever bless Christ, I will bless. That's how the promise survives today. You can't bless Abraham today. He's long dead. (laughs) It's so absurd, it's laughable. How are you going to bless Abraham today? If you know Christ according to the flesh, then he's a Jew. But the flesh profits you nothing you'll get nothing from that. Knowing Christ according to the Spirit allows you to understand that in Christ there is neither neither Jew nor Greek, neither bond nor free, neither male nor female. Why not? because Christ is a spirit and if you're born of Christ, if you're assembled into His body, you're assembled not by your biology but by your zoe, by your life that comes from God which sustains your spirit. Christ is a spiritual man to whom the spirits of just men are assembled to be made perfect.
That's the truth. Believe whatever you want to do the contrary. Be angry if you wish because it assaults different your view of it that's different. It'll come out where the truth will prevail. So let's go back now and look at this promise to save a remnant of Jews. It comes after the Jews reject Christ as a nation and have continued to reject Christ, so Israel as a nation is not saved. And Israel as a nation is not going to be saved. So entrenched is their unbelief, but a remnant, a remnant will be saved. I I could say more about that, I won't, it's inflammatory enough as it is. So he said, it shall come to pass, verse 26 of Romans 9, and it shall come to pass in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they shall be called sons of the living God. That's the prophet Hosea speaking. Isaiah piles on. It's not just Hosea, Isaiah now says, also cries out concerning Israel. This is Isaiah. Though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, the remnant shall be saved. From out of this vast, countless, multitude, a piece, a handful will be saved and that handful is described as 144,000, 12 times 12 times 1,000 and God says, that's the fulfillment of my promise to bless all the nations of the earth, including the Jews. Let me read a little bit more. For he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness, because the Lord will make a short work upon the earth. And as Isaiah said before, Unless the Lord of the Sabbath, unless the Lord of Saboth had left us a seed, unless he had done that, we would have become like Sodom and we'd have been like Gomorrah. For everyone who thinks that being a Jew in the flesh is something special to God, I want to tell you this. The only thing that's special about any Jew is his relationship to God through Christ. Unless the Lord had left us a seed, there'd be nothing to distinguish us from Sodom and Gomorrah. And that's what Isaiah says. 
I know this blows up a lot of mythology. I know it's fashionable and faddish to exalt natural Israel as the apple of God's eye. All of that is just sentimental rubbish. Not a grain of truth in any of it. Completely made up of whole cloth and unsubstantiated by anything the Scriptures have said on the subject. And the ones speaking in Scripture are the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, prophets like Isaiah and Hosea in the Old Testament. What shall we say then? Verse 30, The Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness of faith. But Israel, pursuing the law of righteousness, has not attained to the law of righteousness. They didn't, they didn't reach the mark. They missed the mark. Why? Because they did not seek it by faith. They sought it by the works of the law. but that it were by the works of the law. For they stumbled at the stumbling stone. Christ was the stumbling stone. They could not get past Christ. They would not submit to Christ. They killed Christ. And the nation has been and remains spiritually desolate from that day to this, with the exception of an early remnant and subsequently at the end of the age, the rest of that company being drawn in. Concerning Christ it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense, and whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame. Now, Paul begins the next chapter, chapter 10, by saying that his desire for Israel was that they would be saved and defines Christ in verse 4 as the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes, Jew or Gentile. So in that regard, when the Lamb stands on Mount Zion, standing as it were in the epicenter of religious activity, He is surrounded by that remnant of Israel that was spoken of here in the Scriptures that would be saved by coming to Christ. Now their condition is that they have their father's name written on their foreheads. So when we get back to the next message, we want to develop what is meant by such things as the father's name on their foreheads, that they sing a new song, and that they are 
they are chaste virgins who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. Those are the three things we want to discuss when we come back. These define the remnant of Israel. It's already true of the Gentiles who would have been gathered in, but concerning the remnant of the Jews, what does it mean that they have their father's name on their forehead? What does it mean that they sing the new song uh, as the redeemed of the earth? And what does it mean that they have not, they have not uh, been defiled with women? We'll set those principles forth and we'll continue to unpack the rest of the book of Revelation beginning right here with, the, with chapter 14 as we go forward. We'll talk then. Bye-bye.